With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Just looking at them and watching them run around and watching them play and watching them do drills, it's, it's night and day to me. I think, you, you know, ask Coach DeWitt about that even. He's, he's a better judge of that because, you know, like me and him talked and he said, what do you think? I said, well, I think we're, I think we're better. He said, I think we're a lot better. When you're not around it for four months and then you jump back in, he's like, it just looks different. So I'll take his word for it. Just the aesthetics of looking at each one of our guys when they run out on the field, we're looking like a football team, all right? Looking like, I mean, with the strength staff and everything, I know you guys hear it all the time, but that's real. That's legitimately real. Now, we have to go out and execute and do all those things. Can't turn the ball over and special teams have to get better. But I can tell you that from a, on the hoof, we say in our world, we look a heck of a lot better, which is encouraging. Yeah, you know, I, I would say our expectations you know are definitely win that big 10 championship you know i know those were our expectations last year you know unfortunately that didn't uh that, that didn't end up happening but i didn't come here to go four and eight as i've said before i came here to you know put a ring on my finger and win the big 10 so and welcome here to another edition of the husker online show sean callahan robin washett nate klaus guys we are in the swing of fall camp if that didn't get your neck hair standing up i don't know what does as uh, Nebraska, um, a lot of hype, a lot of expectations, a lot of excitement coming out of fall camp early on. And I think just seeing this team, it, it, I'll be honest, guys, it's like this almost every year when you are away from the team for the summer and they come back fresh off their full summer workouts. I think Nebraska always looks good in August. I mean, there, there's not very many Augusts where you come to the office and do the Husker Online radio show with me. We're going to be like, man, they had a bad summer. Uh, but it, it, it still, to me, does feel different because it's year two. I think the new players they've added. But most importantly, I think the length, Robin, when you just look at the sheer size of this team and the number of big bodies, athletic bodies mixed in with the speed they've added from one year to the next, it's a pretty impressive upgrade. And it's caused a lot of buzz in camp early on. There's no better example of that than on the offensive line, in my opinion, that group in particular has transformed not only just with how big and strong they look but like it's a different type of athlete now where seemingly everyone is 6'6 or 6'7 and you know 300 pounds and they look like uh, almost a Wisconsin type offensive line they look like a Big Ten offensive line for the first time in a while um Probably since their early years in the conference when yeah. they had, I mean, Quali and Searles. And, yeah. I mean, they had all those guys on that line early on. And now you got a lot of them, especially a bunch of young guys. Look at these freshmen that are coming in, the six true freshmen on the offensive line. They are as good-looking, and this is going to sound weird, but uh, as far as player body composition looks like, as we've seen on this offensive line in a long time. And, uh, I mean, again, we've watched 30 minutes of practice. You know, we've always seen so much, but – you know, when you just go strictly off the eyeball test, uh, like you said, the, the team as a whole uh, is really impressive. But I think that offensive line has made as much of a, a gain. And uh, Scott Frost made from uh, made it a point from day one that um, that's where uh, his team was lacking the most, was in the trenches. And they seem to have made a lot of progress in that regard. Yeah, you mentioned the trenches. I, I think defensive line, I think you could say the same thing there. The, the bodies up front, 
along that D line um, are look a lot different too. Uh, you, you got you got some big dudes up there now, and and they don't look quite as soft as as what they may have looked last year or in years past. Uh, and same with the the secondary. If you look at that group, holy cow! I mean, there's some big, tall, long defensive backs back there. Um, you know, and, and all those newcomers they added, they that certainly uh, added to that height and that in the back end of that defense too. But yeah, from top to bottom, this team looks a lot different. It almost it kind of reminds me of um, you know what what Bill Callahan's team looked like. How that transformed uh, you the know, 05 to 06 or the 04 to 05. Yeah, uh, but both uh, I think. Uh, especially from 04 to, to 06. And there was talent on those teams. I mean, yeah. I, I know it didn't work out, but, you know, you sh- people shouldn't just say, oh, it's Bill K-. They had talent on those teams back then. Yeah, and, and they made an effort to, to change the, the look of that team through recruiting and, and obviously, you know, in, in the weight room and whatnot too. But, um, and, and I think it's kind of similar to, to what, you know, what we've seen so far uh, with this team. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, as we're just giving some opening thoughts and headlines here at a fall camp couple things we do know. JoJo Dolman has not been on the 110-man roster. He's not been in Lincoln uh, getting some things kind of looked at, squared away uh, with his uh, you know previous injuries. Uh, but they expect him to play this season. Jakeem Green, Nebraska's defensive lineman addition um you know they're they're waiting for his and stuff to clear and you know they expect him to be in camp soon he's just got to get admitted and accepted to unl um so that's something to kind of keep your eyes on cameron jurgens practicing for nebraska now at what level how much are they going to put him through that remains to be seen but he's on the 110 robin and he's been going through practice yeah and he didn't have any brace or wrap or anything on on any of his uh, ankles, legs, foot, or whatever, whatever it may be, certainly encouraging. Now, from the the little glimpse that we caught on Wednesday, uh, you know, he, he had, didn't do a lot as far as the individual position group stuff. But again, he's suited up and he's going through it. So at least he's out there. And maybe it's just a matter of um, them being really careful with his workload. Uh, I mean, they're doing the same thing with Wandell Robinson, where you know, a guy that you know maybe has had some some minor injury problems. They're, they're making a conscious effort to make sure that they don't aggravate anything or keep them fresh and keep them healthy through camp to where they're still getting, you know, some physical reps and a lot of mental reps, staying fresh and, again, preventing any setbacks before the start of the season. And I think that's smart. I, the last thing you want to do right now is just grind your team into the ground and, and wear, them, wear them out and, and make them more susceptible to, to injuries, especially guys who have a past of – of being injured or, or having, you know, being able to, to kind of be susceptible to those nicks and, and, and things like that. So I think it's smart. Um, and, you know, you, you had a, a day off on Tuesday, um, you know, and, and a lot of players mentioned that, you know what, we've been uh, through, you know, a handful of practices already and, and we feel great. You know, the, the way that they're handling everything, uh, shorter practices, but, the, you know, obviously they're getting reps in with the tempo and everything. I think it's uh, I think it's smart the way they're doing it. And, and I know Austin Allen mentioned, he, he said it's all science based. Like they, they have this thing down to a science and uh, with what Zach Duvall and, and uh, Ellis and, and all those guys and the coaches. I mean, the way that they're coordinating uh, fall camp practices, I think is very smart. Well, yeah, and you think about Wednesday, we were there and it was under two hours and I mean you think about previous coaches and how things were done if you were to tell a coach no more two days you only get one practice a day there'd be a lot of coaches that want to be out there for three three and a half hours and that just goes against the science and that that's what Scott Frost learned at Oregon with Chip Kelly I mean Chip Kelly kind of innovated how teams practice today in football and to me fall camp it used to be 
it was to get your team in shape because your team wasn't really conditioned or in shape. Well, now everyone is so well trained and conditioned when they get to camp. I think now it's more getting your team ready for the season versus trying to beat your team into the ground. Well, they pack so much into that, you know, 90 minutes or two hours, whatever it may be, that, uh, like Nate said, you're still getting a lot accomplished. And uh, because of the tempo they're going, you are conditioning. I mean, so you don't have to do all that separate stuff because guys don't stop moving. There's, you know, in years past, you'd see guys with their helmets off, taking a knee in between reps, just kind of like watching other guys go through it. Everyone is taking reps at all times. There's literally zero breaks and so i think that you're accomplishing so much both in terms of installing your, your offense your defense and you know getting some of the mental stuff but the conditioning aspect the fact that these guys are going non-stop for a full 90 minutes to two hours um, it really maximizes that window to where you don't have to go as long because you do so much in, in that just short amount of time and some of the new guys even mentioned that i know canavai noah mentioned that you know what yeah our practices at cal were physical and and these practices are physical but the biggest difference is just the tempo the you know how how many reps they're getting and and how fast their um you know things move and and how little downtime there is and and i think that's you know that's just efficient use of your time all right lots to talk about here in this show as uh, we're going to talk more about fall camp in our next segment um, the basketball team's over in Italy, and they're playing pretty well. Um, they're missing some guys out there still, but um, so far so good. We'll get Robin's early thoughts uh, from the Huskers out in Italy. We'll take your questions in the mailbag as Mike Wheeler will join us here in studio. And then Nate Klaus and I, uh, we'll talk a little recruiting, but we want to spend a recruiting segment today talking about just our initial thoughts off eyeballing and things we've heard about maybe some of the newcomers here um, in practice. So that's all next on this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. That first, the first practice, like I said, how he ran through me, it reminded me of Chris Carson, my freshman year. Chris Carson was a Juco transfer as well, and the tenacity he ran with, without pads, it, it, put, it made me think like, yeah, these guys are hungry, and the way he runs the ball, you can tell that he's running for a bigger purpose. He's a sweater. I mean, he, he is going to work hard and sweat. We gotta have a towel with him at all times because he works his rear off. Yeah, I mean, he, he comes to work every day. I saw it when I watched him in junior college practice. I've seen it in the weight room when I've walked through there and then, you know, out on the field. I don't have to worry about him working hard in practice. That That's the least of my worries. With him being new, I gotta get him on all the other stuff to make sure he knows what he's doing. But I, I, I like the early return. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was Nebraska running backs coach Ryan Held, fresh off his cameo appearance, Nate, on Last Chance U. I need to watch that this season, by the way, this this upcoming year, because you get some good Jeff Sims, Dedrick Mills in there. But that was Darian Daniels before him talking about Dedrick Mills. And, Nate, you are the only guy in this room that has seen Dedrick Mills play live football in person the early reports out of fall camp about Diedrich is he's been everything they've been advertised. He's a very downhill physical runner. He's a very hard worker. As you just heard Ryan Held say, you're Darren Daniels say how hard he runs, even without pads on surprised at all by the early reports uh, coming out of camp thus far. I'm not surprised at all. I mean, when we went down there to garden city last year and watched him play, he was, I mean, he was a workhorse and, and getting to talk with him after the game, you know, he, he, he was he was still amped up, you know, about about some of the plays, about running some guys over, and and uh, you know, I remember that interview. He told me he said 
it, during the summer, I, I feel like I was the hardest working guy on this team. And, and after we got done talking with him, his running back coach at Garden City last year said, yeah, it's no, that's no lie. That's, he's not being cocky. Uh, but yeah, he was, he was by far and away our hardest worker on the team. And so to hear Ryan Held say that, that doesn't come as a surprise. And, and to hear Darian Daniels say that he's, that he's a hard runner, uh, it doesn't come as a surprise either because, I mean, if, if he has a choice uh, or an option to either run you over or put a move on you and, and try to make you miss, it, nine times out of ten, he's going he's gonna to run you over. And he, he wants to do that over and over and over again. And, uh, and I think that he just – he kind of feeds off that. You could see him get stronger and stronger, uh, you know, as the game went along last year uh, down there at Garden City. And, and I think you could uh, – from I haven't seen it yet, but from what, uh, from what people have said during the – in the last chance you, uh, he's, they show some of his runs in that game. And, and I think he's running over dudes in, in, that, in that game too. Yeah, he is. I, I actually watched the season, and there's some runs where you just laid – Oh, there's 26, and he's moving the pile. There's actually one play where it goes for a no gain, but it might be like one of the most impressive clips you see him on where uh, two of Independence defensive tackles, like two 300-pound guys, just meet him in the backfield like four yards deep. He pushes them back so it's a no gain instead of a four-yard loss. I mean, that's the type of strength he has. And he's not the biggest guy out there by any stretch. I mean, he looks you know put together, but – he runs with a level of power that is far beyond his frame and I think that's what separates him is he has that breakaway speed but he can get it done in between the tackles and move guys you know 100 pounds bigger than him um, and he, he showed it because those guys aren't just juco schlubs I mean those are uh, power five types of players that he's going head-to-head with he reminds me a little just physically when you look at him native Brandon Jackson mm-hmm. Brandon wasn't 220, but he ran like he was that big at times, and, and he was fast and explosive. Now, I don't know in the open field if Diedrich Mills is going to have a lot of 50, 60-yard runs, but you don't win games necessarily with those plays. You're going to need a guy that can get you to second and five, and I think he is going to be that guy for Nebraska this year. And you put Adrian Martinez in second and four, second and five, second and three, all of a sudden, this offense is so hard to predict. You do not know what Scott Frost and Troy Walters and Mario Verduzco are going to do. And that's why I think his value right now is as important as anybody. Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting because you're going to have uh, somebody who, who's always going to gain positive yards, uh, who's a physical runner, and you could also have somebody in the backfield who is a, a speed guy. So now you've got an option, you know, whether or not you're going to be, you know, with using a speed guy or a power guy. Um, and I think you can, you know, you can use, definitely use that to your advantage. And I think he brings a lot to the table uh, that, that we haven't seen in Nebraska for a little while. You know, you mentioned that he's not that biggest guy. He's, he's not Divino Zigbo, but I would say he's probably a little bit more of a physical runner than, than what Divine showed, especially last year. Yeah, the ability to run through contact, yeah. too. I think that's what you really see is if you don't bring it and you're not 100% engaged and try to just arm tackle him, he will run through you. And again, uh, you know, more pr- promoting last chance you, but there's some clips where guys try to go high on him and try to arm tackle him, and he carries them for 5 to 10 yards. And so I think that is the type of runner he's going to be. I don't think he's going to be your your game breaker, You know, no. get a crease, and then boom, he's gone for 60. They have those guys. I mean, they don't need him to be that guy. As Troy Walter said, he's the type of player that is going to get you three to four yards when the game's on the line and you need to move the sticks. And that is so critical, as we've seen since Nebraska joined the Big Ten Conference to win in this league, is can you get those third and shorts and move the chains, keep drives alive? And I think that Diedrich Young is going to be the guy that's going to be uh, – Mills. Le- 
<laughs> Come on. I'm, I'm going to make that mistake again, oh, and yeah. I apologize in advance. So, Diedrich Mills is going to be the guy that they hitch their wagon to in those situations. At least you didn't call him Darren Diedrich. Yeah, that, that'll come. I'm that sure. will come too, but. Or, or Dedrick. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or, or Darren Dedrick. All right, let's talk about Wandell <laughs> Robinson next. Um, I mean, he. It's clear. I, I think he's going to be as good as advertised early on as well. Um, and I was intrigued. I mean, we knew this would be the case, but. Just seeing him in the backfield, I mean, the, the practice bits that we got to see, and, and granted, it was a very small sample size. I mean, we got like, we, I don't even know if we got what would be called an appetizer of practice. We just got a taste. And we, we saw Wandell enough in the backfield as well as a receiver. His versatility is going to be a real weapon that they're going to have some fun with this year. Yeah, I mean, that's like everyone's saying, he's everything that Nebraska wanted him to be. And while we haven't necessarily gotten to see it, all that much with how limited he was in spring and just, you know, a very small sample size this fall. Every report from offensive coaches, offensive players, defensive coaches, defensive players all say that he is the real deal. And when he has the ball in his hands, as defensive coordinator Eric Shenander said, he's a problem and he is giving the defense fits and he's he's a playmaker in every sense of the word. They've lined him up at running back, they've lined him up at receiver, inside, outside. They can do almost anything you could possibly think of with Wandale Robinson and he's been extremely good in almost every role. So he's going to be on the field a lot in a lot of different roles and Nate, I'm sure this is no surprise to you after you know following his career in high school. Yeah, I mean, watching his high school film, it was easy to, to fall in love with, <laughs> with what he could do on the football field. But what really opened my eyes is when he went down to San Antonio in the All-American Bowl and did it against you know the top players in the country. And uh, you know it wasn't 3A Kentucky football anymore. It was the top players in the country. And all week in practice, I mean, he was just turning heads and, and making ridiculous plays, whether it was him carrying the football or, or catching the football. Um, or you know on special teams too and and so it doesn't come as a surprise to me that he's continued to do that and I think maybe the most impressive thing to me is is how how well he's been able to kind of acclimate and learn those different positions whether it's lining up in the backfield or lining up uh, you know as a receiver and, and doing a bunch of different things and um, you know, it's it's going to be a lot of fun to watch his versatility. I, you know, I, you hear the comparisons of, to Rondell Moore at, at Purdue, and um, you know, I, I I hesitate to say that he's going to be that guy or, or going to have that type. Of he may production. not get that many touches. Yeah, yeah. thrown his way. But but he's he is as electric, uh, and I I think that uh, you know I think that he's going to make an instant impact this year. Well, it's going to be fun to watch, and, and there's so much more we could talk about, guys, but we got to keep this show rolling. We're going to talk more about newcomers and take questions in the mailbag, but when we come back, Robin Washett's going to give us an update from uh, Italy as the Nebraska basketball team is making their way through their trip, and uh, we'll get some early thoughts from Robin on what stood out. That's next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Line Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. As we're going to talk some Husker basketball as Nebraska in the middle of their Italy trip. Um, and, man, it's going really well for Nebraska. And, Robin, you didn't really know what this was going to look like because nobody knew what it was going to look like. It was a bunch of new guys coming together for a basketball trip, and they had 10 practices before Lincoln. And, granted, it, the, we, we watched the first game here in the office, and it looked like a – a bad lunch lunch team from the wreck. Now that team beat Minnesota. To be fair, almost almost, almost beat did. Minnesota, but it 
yeah, Nebraska took care of business their first two games out in Italy, and it's it's been pretty impressive thus far. Yeah, so I don't think even Fred Hoiberg knew what this thing was going to look like. And so when they took the floor uh, against that first team, I'm not going to pretend to pronounce these Italian names or uh, Lithuanian names, so just we'll call them Team One. Uh, that was basically uh, the, the game, a warm-up tune-up game, you know, as it was supposed to be. And it, it uh, is essentially like what an IMG academy would be, but in Italy. So, like, it's basically a school that is made for kids to come and play basketball. And so it's younger kids, and Nebraska, you know, they sputtered a little bit out of the gates. I think they were down, like, 5-1 to one early, and then just took the game over and led by, like, 20 the rest of the game. Uh, but that that next game against the Lithuanian team, that those that team is a bunch of like grown men. They have a couple United States players, uh, and so I mean this was going to be a big step up in competition. Well, uh, Nebraska once again takes the game over and doesn't look back. Led by over 20 points, had a couple 20 point performances from Hanif Cheatham, um, Deshaun Burke, uh, and really uh, looked pretty impressive. And so. As I said going into this whole thing, and I'm going to continue to say it, is don't put much of any stock into what happens on this trip, good or bad. Now, it's encouraging that they're playing as well as they are um, as opposed to the other way around, but it is still August, the first week of August. And what this team looks like now compared to what it's going to look like even when they start uh, official season practice in October, let alone when they play their first game in November, is going to be – night and day difference. I mean, for, they don't even have four scholarship players with them uh, playing in these games in Italy. Uh, and so, I mean, this is just a, a very small sample size of what this team has. And, you know, they have guys that are going to be sitting out the season that are playing. So um, I, I'm hesitant to put a lot of stock into this, but certainly it is encouraging that things seem to be clicking a lot faster than most people expected. Robin, a couple guys also didn't make the trip out there, right? Yeah. So Cam Mack, the, point guard of junior college transfer uh, he came down with what it's never been like officially diagnosed or announced but uh, based off social media it's assumed he came down with a really bad case of food poisoning had some bad tacos we, some, we won't say the name of the business of it yes. some bad tacos in lincoln he somewhere. had some bad tacos and uh was sick for a few days and then it got to the point where he had to check himself into the hospital and was there for three or four more days uh, to the point where his mom uh drove up from austin uh, to to be with him and so it was kind of like a, a somewhat scary situation uh, but good news is he's out. But uh, unfortunately, he had to miss the trip because they didn't want him, you know, spending 12 hours in an airplane, whatever, you know, just coming off a, a real bad v- flu or whatever it is. Uh, and so he had to miss the trip. And then uh, a call a rope from uh, Creighton Prep, the true freshman. He didn't get his paperwork uh, finished up in time uh, to get everything cleared to do international travel. And so he had to miss the trip. And then uh, on top of that, Derek Walker, the transfer from Tennessee, you know, he's eligible to play in these games, even though he's going to sit out this season, but he's been dealing with a nagging injury that uh, has kind of been bothering him through the summer. Uh, and so he hasn't played in either of the first two games. And so that's Nebraska without four. Oh, and then obviously uh, Yvonne Wedrogo, who was with the, the French national team at the FIBA championships. So probably in Greece. two of their five best players. Maybe. Yeah, well, two of their top yeah, seven. Yeah, two projected starters uh, yeah. between uh, Point I, guard between and Ivan and uh, Cam Mack. So, uh, yeah, they were down four scholarship players, and they're still playing at the at the level that they're playing. So that that I think is what is most encouraging at all of all is that uh, you know not only are they you know hitting the ground running, but they're doing so without their full full cast in place. Well, and I think the other thing that 
you can't even really put a value on and you won't be able to tell by watching these games. Is this how well these guys will get to know each other on this trip? Yeah, that's the, that's the most important part about this trip is the bonding. And, you know, that's, that's the coolest thing, you know, outside of just the games is, you know, all these posts of, uh, guys like hanging out together. They, they did like a, a cooking class where they made their own pastas. Doc and, Sadler and Fred Hoiberg's daughter teamed up, right? Yep, yep. And uh, yeah, they, they did all the sites, you know, saw the Coliseum, you know, doing, uh, you know, all the things in Rome and Florence and then uh, Como. Uh, they're going to end the trip there. And so, I mean, it's a really cool deal. And that's one of the things Fred Hoiberg has meant, said time and time again that. You know, the basketball thing is just such a, a small portion of the value of this trip that uh, this, this season hinges so much on their ability to get these guys to mesh and gel together as a team. And, you know, I think that's, again, what you could maybe take the, the most out of this trip is um, these guys aren't even playing, they're not just playing well together, but they look like they're having fun based off some of the videos. And, uh, you know, they're, they're starting to get to know each other and know how each other, you know, work on and off the court. And that, I think, is going to be as big of a, a benefit of this trip than anything else that could happen in, in these four games they're going to play. Just eyeball test, though. What would be, you're like, man, this is a concern still for me. Rebounding. They're small. They're a small team, and they're going to get pushed around, I'm sure, a little bit in the Big Ten. So that is going to be something they're going to have to compensate for, uh, and especially during conference play. You know, when they get against some of those bigger front courts in the league, uh, they just don't have the bodies. And especially right now without uh, Ivan, uh, I mean, he's you know one of their only bigs that they have. So uh, it's really kind of glaring uh, some of the, the rebounding issues that they're having. Then. That's no surprise. You know, we knew that I mean, just by the makeup of the roster, but uh, in, the, in the one streamed game, that first game, you know, talking about playing that younger team, they were getting beat up on the boards a little bit. So, um, you know, good news is Doc Sadler is no stranger to scheming defensively around a smaller lineup. Uh, and so I, I, and with the tempo that they run, you can account for a lot of uh, things that you might give up on the glass. And so I think they're going to have ways to combat that. But certainly that is going to be an issue that is going to plague them all year long. It's early, but what do you think of Doc as an assistant? I know he, he was an assistant at Iowa State and Kansas before he went to the Southern Miss job. But, I mean, it seems like this is a good fit for him, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. He's where he needs to be. Uh, he, as he said when he left Southern Miss, he doesn't want to be a head coach anymore. I think there's just a lot of drama. And, he loved Nebraska, yeah, too. Yeah, that's, like, that's another huge draw. I mean, he and his family loved Nebraska. Like his kids went yeah. to school here. And, and people here loved him, too. I mean, obviously things didn't work out on the court, but you know, when, when word was starting to surface that he could be coming back, people were like super excited and like happy about it that, uh, you know, Doc, their boy is coming back because he's a really well-liked guy. He's got just a personality for days. And more importantly, he's going to be a tremendous asset to Fred Hoiberg uh, as he does this rebuilding process. I mean, obviously you have someone who knows the landscape as well as anyone, and they have two head coaches essentially running each practice where Doc handles 99% of the defensive work, and Fred gives him basically the floor and has he lets Doc have a huge voice in just the day-to-day stuff uh, in practices, and I'm sure in games and with defensive game planning. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a great fit, uh, and you really kind of see that relationship that uh, Fred and Doc have with some of their social media interactions where Fred Fred's sneaky funny by the way if you look at his social media where like he you know takes jabs at Doc on Twitter and whatnot uh, and those two play off each other really well and I'm sure that's going to translate as the season gets going all right when we come back we're going to bring in Husker online intern Mike Wheeler we've got lots of questions lots of talk about this week in the mailbag that's next you're listening here to the Husker online show This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 
We'll see. I mean, he's definitely going to play running back. I mean, he's really, really talented at running back. So, you know, we'll, we'll have the good thing is we have guys that can do that now. They can be receivers and running backs. And, you know, that's what we've wanted to do when we got here is to recruit those type of hybrid type players that Coach Frost had at Oregon, what we had at UCF, and now here at Nebraska. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, and Husker Online intern Mike Wheeler. That was running backs coach. Ryan Held discussing kind of the plans for Wondell Robinson about him potentially playing some running back and receiver as uh, the little bit of practice we did see. We saw him in the backfield, but let's get to the mailbag, Mike. What, what do you have this week to start us out? All right, so right off the bat here, uh, we had heard, we've heard lots of talk this week about being on the, on the roster, the 110, and what players have access to, but can you guys break down what players get and can participate in based on the 110? Well, if you're not on the 110, you can't be a part of anything. You can't even, and Nate might correct me on this, you can't even use the, the workout facility and come around practices and watch as a spectator. Um, so it, it is, it's a blow. If you're a guy that's not injured and you don't make the 110, it is a crushing blow because that means you don't get to join the team in any type of activity until the first day of classes. And that's when fall camp's typically over. Sometimes there's like another week of camp when classes begin just depends on the schedule and the calendar. Um, but, yeah, the fall camp players, I mean, it's, it's a 14-hour, 13-hour type day. And, and, Nate, you could probably speak on it more than anybody. I mean, typically guys get there in the morning and early, and they might not leave till 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night. Well, that's how it used to be for sure, uh, especially with the afternoon practices. Now, I, I don't know if it's quite as, as long of a day now under the, the current structure uh, that that Coach Frost brought to the table uh, as it used to be, but it's still. I mean, regardless, it's still a grind. Um, it's now, still twelve hours. Probably. Yeah, probably. Now, I think with uh, as far as injuries go, you know, I, I know that uh, I believe it was Ryan Held said that that a guy like Ronald Tompkins is still able to be around. He's still able to get treatment and and still you know able to to do whatever he needs to do coming off of his uh, his knee injury that he suffered last year. Um, you know, I, I don't think he can be at practice, uh, but I think he can still kind of be around the facility. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, if you're not on the 110, that's uh, I mean, it, you're you're pretty much you're pretty much at home doing doing not much of anything. Um, you know, as far as uh, well compared to your teammates in, until school starts. It's really tough, Nate, though, when guys like especially like a later walk on going to his fourth fifth year, hoping to get on the 110. I mean. And then you're told you're not. I mean, it's, it's more or less a ticket that you're not going to play. Yeah, it means that you're not even – not only are you not going to play, but chances are that, that uh, you might not even be, you know, all, all that – you know, it might not factor into the the mix as a as a main scout team guy um, all that much, or, or that you're not even going to see any time on any on any special. Now, Jared Stobel like wasn't on the 110 last yep. year. Sat, sat in the bleachers for the first couple games with guys that even weren't good enough to be suited up, and then he ended up leading Nebraska in special teams tackles. So there are rare stories, mm -hmm. but it's rare. Yeah, it, that does not happen all that often, and. Um, and tip your hat to Jeremiah Stovall for, for making that happen. But for the most part, yeah, if you're not on the 110, that's the, the writing is on the wall. You're, you're either very young and, and just kind of, you know, walk on getting into the program or, or you're an older guy that's definitely on the outside looking in. So now moving over to a former Nebraska recruit, once a Husker, always a Husker, whatever happened with uh, Dominic Watt? Whatever happened with Dominic Watt? Well, he's still at Garden City Community College now. Last year, with with uh, uh, Diedrich Mills and and um, uh, Charles West, you know, the Garden City had two of the top three rushers in all of junior college football, and so. 
there were not a whole lot of passes being thrown. I think he had like I think he had 16 catches on the year, or maybe it was like eight catches and uh, like 12, um, uh, you know, targets or, or whatever. Regardless, he he, he did not uh, did not catch the football a whole lot. Was not featured a whole lot. Now I think that's going to change now that there's a new head coach at Garden City. Um, you know, and, and probably, you know, well, I know for sure a different quarterback. I don't know, you know, who that quarterback is or if he's a passer or what. But, um, you know, I, I think that Nebraska is still looking at him. He came to the Friday Night Lights camp and, and did pretty well. Um, they're obviously searching for a bigger bodied wide receiver in this class. Uh, right now, Omar Manning, you know, the, the Juco wideout out of uh, Kilgore Community College, who's like 6'3", 215, 220 pounds. Uh, he seems to be the that main target that they're looking at, but um, you know I think there's a chance that that Dominic Watt could end up getting a scholarship to Nebraska, but that has not happened just yet. All right, what do you got next, Mike? All right, so sticking with the theme of recruiting, which current Husker football players are considered the top recruiters when they're hosting high school players on campus? Well, it, it probably depends on who you ask. I know. Uh, last Monday, I was able to talk with uh, Caleb Tanner, and he said that he's one of the best. Uh, and he mentioned Katarian Legron and Andre Hunt as two other guys that that are really good. Um, and I know those guys they take a lot of pride in their ability to to recruit, and and they have fun hosting players, especially players from from around you know their their home area. So Caleb Tanner and Katarian Legron in particular, those guys coming from the Atlanta area. Uh, they, they love it when, when guys from Georgia are up here. Um, but, uh, you know, those are three players that I think are all pretty good uh, at, at, uh, at recruiting. You know, Adrian Martinez was involved last year, I know. Um, and that's one thing that, that pretty much every recruit that, that was around Adrian, you know, they mentioned, yeah, I got to hang out with Adrian Martinez this weekend. And, um, you know, and, and he, you know, he was basically told me, told me what's going on and told me the plan. And, and those guys, I mean, that, that made a big impression when, when you've got a talent like that and, and he's the quarter, starting quarterback on, on the team and he's hanging out with the recruits and whatnot, uh, you know, that made, a, that made a big impression. But, you know, I, I would say Caleb Tanner, Katerian Legron, Andre Hunt, those are, those are three of your, your probably, you know, top five or so players that are good at hosting. All right, what do you got next for us in the mailbag, Mike? All right, so after all the talk from Darian Daniels about the strength and conditioning program, who do you think has more, gets more credit for the gains for not just Daniels but uh, every other player? Would you say Duvall or Ellis? It's a combination of both because you need them both. I mean, anybody that works out hard regularly knows you can go to the gym every day and bust your butt. But if you go eat like crap, your workout goes to crap at that point. So you need – both of those things to go together and there is so much science behind what these guys do I don't know if Nebraska's had this in a long time where these they've had a combination of people particularly now when you add that Dave Ellis nutritional element and what he's doing for the players and the the the, the everything they're doing behind the scenes it's really incredible and I think Nebraska and Scott Frost look at this as like this is how we have to get ahead because we don't have the recruiting bases the SEC teams do with the luxury of some of the players they can just get. We have to go the extra mile to take what we get and make it better. Well, that's how it used to be, and that's how it, I think, has to be at a place like Nebraska. Development has been lacking so much in this program for so long uh, that I think that's probably one of the things that's you know kept Nebraska where it's been. And now 
you're seeing such a priority being put being put on that stuff, not only just with the coaching, but uh, with uh, the, the summer and winter months where, I mean, essentially Zach Duvall and Dave Ellis, they're, they're the coaches, you know, because with uh, the, the contact that coaches can't have, I mean, those guys are the ones running the team. And, uh, yeah, Duvall probably gets, you know, the bulk of the credit as he should, but um, I don't think that you can sleep on Dave Ellis. There's a reason why Ellis makes about as much or more than Duvall. Yeah. And, again, like you said, Sean, I mean, anybody that knows anything about working out knows that nutrition is probably more important than what you do in the weight room or with your conditioning because that's what transforms your body. That You can get strong lifting weights and doing all that stuff, but you become a athlete but with your with your diet and you know putting the right fuel in your body uh, and you know being able to maximize your performance and so I think that is uh, the balance between those two. You have an elite strength and conditioning program and an elite nutrition program, and that is why you know in the opening segment we talked about um, just how impressive this team looks top to bottom. Uh, I think there's no easier way to look to as, as to why that's happened than those two guys. Yeah, another aspect that, that goes into that too is, is sleep, and I know Dave Ellis is big on that, the sleep and recovery and. Uh, you know, he's wanting guys to get eight, at least seven, eight hours of sleep uh, every single night. And, and without that and eating properly, then you're not able to, to get those gains in the weight room. So, yeah, I think both those guys are intertwined. Any any gains that, that Nebraska's football team is making, uh, you know, are, are, can be, you know, directed right back to those two. We all need to figure out how to get seven or eight hours of sleep, I yeah. think. <laughs> I wish. We, we got time for two quick ones, Mike. What's last? All right, so this was a question that was actually brought up uh, between me and my uh, buddies, but uh, what would be considered a disappointing season for the Huskers in your mind? Ooh. I think it's hard to go off straight wins and losses, but if Nebraska doesn't take what feels like a big step forward, I think they've got to take a step forward, and it has to be obvious that this program is moving forward. And people think that's where it's going, but – yeah, they, they need to get – I mean, I think if they lose to both Wisconsin and Iowa, it, it, that would that would hurt. Um, Minnesota on the road, that's going to be a tricky one. Um, I mean, there's some tricky games on the schedule that will really kind of measure the level of acceptance of what this season will be. Yeah, I'm going to take the Bill Moose approach and say six wins, go to a bowl game. That is bare, bare, bare minimum. You have to have a postseason. You just want to go on a trip with me. Well, yeah, of course, everybody <laughs> does. Nebraska wants to go on a trip. Uh, I mean, that's where it starts. I mean, that that is the absolute floor of what this season has to be. I mean, you have to go to a bowl, and that sounds – you know, like no brainer, what duh, but I mean, that's, that's the first step in you know, Nebraska. <laughs> it's been a long time. I saw something, somebody posted on the board that assuming Nebraska wins on August 31st against South Alabama, it'll be their first time over five with a 500 record uh, over 500 record since the Illinois game in 2017. Think about it, that's over 700 days since Ooh. they've had a, a record above 500. Yeah, that's humbling. Yeah. Well, so the last four years, Nebraska's won, I think, 23 games. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's where it starts for me. I mean, you can talk about competing for the West Championship, going to Indy, all that stuff, but finish over 500 and go to a bowl. That is the absolute floor for what I've defined as a successful season. Yeah, anything anything under that or less than that I think would be a huge, huge disappointment. But, yeah, I, I agree with both of you guys. There's, I mean, you have, to, you have to make it to a bowl game, and you have to capture some of the momentum that I think is building. You, you've got people across the, the country who are starting to talk about you and, and are, are kind of keeping an eye on Nebraska, you know, and, and pointing to you to take that next step. So now, I mean, that has to happen. And if it does 
doesn't happen in year two, um, you know, I, I think now all of a sudden uh, you're you're starting to starting to wonder why or, or starting to try and figure out okay what's what's really going on here. Final question, Mike. All right, so with fall camp now here, I love getting to hear your guys' stories. What are some quick stories you guys have for us? Well, we told some good ones last week, Nate. Um, I'm trying to decide if I want to go Harrison Beck or Harrison Beck, please. Okay, Harrison Beck. <laughs> well, Nate, Nate's got some good like stories he could share off air, but this is one we, you know, I'll never forget this day. It was probably one of the more drama-filled days. I've had covering a fall camp practice. It was a Saturday to a day and we got to do interviews um, after the practices were over. And Harrison Beck was upset going into the 2006 season that he wasn't getting very many number one reps in Bill Callahan's practice. He thought he deserved reps over Zach Taylor. who ended up being the big 12 player of the year that year. So at lunch, he starts asking guys in the locker room during the break, if you were to drive back to Florida, how would you do it? And so guys were like, well, you'd go to Kansas City, then St. Louis, and then Nashville, and, and, and work your way towards Atlanta. And he's like, okay, next thing you know, Harrison Beck got in his car after lunch and just drove to Florida and just left. And nobody knew, like, where he was going, what was going on. And Bill Callahan addresses the media after practice, and I want to make this announcement. Harrison Beck is missing. We're genuinely worried about his whereabouts, and we do not know where he's at. And Steve Sipple, my good friend from the Lincoln Journal Star, the Beck family, Evelyn Beck was her name, his mother, did not know where Harrison was at. And he calls her, like, in that moment, and she just goes off and calls out Zach Taylor, calls out the locker room, says Harrison's getting screwed. Well, Harrison is a young, immature kid. And he wanted to come back to Nebraska, honestly. But because of those comments his mom made to the paper, um, it, it made it impossible for Jay Norvell and Bill Callahan to let him back in that locker room. So I call when it was official that he got his release. I got a hold of Harrison Beck's high school coach to get that story. And I already forget what his name was. But he said, yeah, it wasn't for those comments in the Lincoln paper. They would have let him back. But because that reporter called – um, and got those comments, and, and obviously Nebraska's better off without Harrison, but it, it led the Journal Star was pretty upset that we ran the comments on Husker Online, and that, that it, they were factual comments. That's why he was not allowed back at Nebraska because of the comments, but it was a crazy deal because he just got in his car and drove for 24 straight hours to go back home. Man, that dude. Yeah. Wow. Well, the crazy thing about it, his his parents didn't even know. I mean, his mom That's and his insane. stepdad, they had no idea that he, was, that he had left. And so, I mean, that was the – the crazy thing about it all is that absolutely nobody had any clue <laughs> what had happened. Um, yeah. And, and that's, I mean, that's not the first time. I mean, when he was here for quarterback camps, um, you know, there was always some, some trouble involved or, or he was always kind of a handful then, um, you know, along with Josh Freeman and Ryan Mallett to, to uh, NFL quarterbacks. You know, I, I busted those guys sneaking out of the dorms one night, trying to hook up with uh, volleyball campers uh, but yeah, I mean, fall camp stories. Um, you know, I'm always, I always remember like Maurice Purify when he first got here. Um, you know, it was it was somewhat of a similar situation to that of Jakeem Green, where he was taking an online course. I think it was a it was a math class through online math class through BYU. And and Maurice Purify, I mean, he had to pass this class. And so I remember during practices. 
uh, Purify was up in the football offices and I had to like make sure that he was in the office taking this math class and like actually doing it not like sleeping at the computer or you know because it was on a deadline and he had to he had to cover like six chapters in, in like a matter of hours and uh, <laughs> did Callahan it, ask you about it always How's the class going, Nate? Well, yeah, well, <laughs> something to that effect. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I mean, between Callahan and uh, and Coach Wagner and, and those guys, I mean, they were on they were on Purify hard because uh, he had to he had to pass that, and and he just barely did it and was able to to uh, um, obviously go and compete. And and once he got down there, even though he had missed, I don't I forget how many fall camp practices he missed, uh, but it was like unreal the guy had not worked out all summer long hadn't done anything he stepped on the football field and and guys were like holy cow like who is this guy like this is unbelievable he won them the north by that catch he yeah. made at texas a&m yep i don't have anything that good but uh i remember when uh it was one of the open practices when alex lewis and randy gregory were going head-to-head for the first time that was in spring ball that was in spring okay so that didn't even count Anyway, I was going to tell a story about like them just going like head to head and they got chippy because, as we all know, Alex Lewis has a bit of a temper and Randy Gregory was whipping him, like just blowing by him, getting to the quarterback. And Alex was, was getting heated and heated and heated. Fights were breaking out and it got to the point where they like had to take Alex into the equipment shed and basically have like a sit down like therapy session with him to cool him down. And like Barney Cotton, I think. was yeah, Barney, Barney Cotton is experienced in that. I mean, he was Richie Incognito's yes. controller back then. And just like uh, the <laughs> that was a, a real glimpse of things to come with Alex Lewis and his inability to control. Rick himself. Kaczynski just lit into Alex Lewis. Like when Alex Lewis was cheap shotting, yes. they're all Big Ten. I mean, Randy Gregory led the Big Ten in sacks as a newcomer the year before. And, and he goes, I mean, Rick Kaczynski, football coaches can cuss a lot. Some do and some don't. But Rick Kaczynski cussed a lot. And it, I mean, there was a lot of F words going towards Alex Lewis. Like, who the F do you think you are? What the heck are you doing? It was, it was pretty good stuff, but all right, I, I'm going to put a rule in. Um, fall camp story time has to continue for the rest of the mailbags. I think so. Yeah. through At least through camp. Because I do think the listeners, and we did go like two segments here, so this is going to be the end of the show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> worth it. Yeah, we worth basically it. did a double segment here. So for anybody hoping to hear about the newcomers, we talked a lot about them, but we are way over time here. As We'll get it next week. Like always, fall camp story time runs a little long, but we make it good for everybody listening. So thanks again for joining us here on another edition of the Husker Online Show. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.